Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show! This is the Fizzle Show, our chance to uh, to help freelancers, creatives, and indie entrepreneurs by sharing the nuts and bolts of building a small business that works. Every Friday, we publish another conversation about the art and science of supporting yourself doing something that you care about. Your hosts are, we all work here at Fizzle, Barrett Brooks, he's the head of growth, Steph Crowder, rhymes with chowder, and she's the director of member success. Corbett Barr, our experienced and fearless CEO who's done everything from venture-backed startups to blogs to bootstrap businesses. And me, Chase Reeves, the heart and chutzpah creative director here at Fizzle. I'm mostly the dancing monkey. Don't let anybody else tell you otherwise. In this episode, all right, this is a good one. You're going to like this one. At least I really did, okay? We love side projects here at Fizzle. Most of our projects uh, that have started out as side projects during some other full-time employment that we had. But finding the balance between a side project and a day job also can often feel impossible. Then you try to throw in a little time for yourself outside of the jobs and side projects, and the whole thing topples over. So if so many businesses are started out as side projects, how can we possibly balance both staying employed for as long as necessary and finding enough time to build our side project? Well, that's what we get into in the show today, complete with a few examples, several stories, and lots of stuff that we get into, like, uh, where's my little list here? I'll tell you some of the things we got into. The legal implications you should be thinking about, uh, the perception backlash of teammates and bosses, running with that early project adrenaline. Should you leap with a safety net or or just just go and and see what what happens? All that kind of stuff. Follow along at home at fizzleshow.co slash 115. I'll be back after this conversation to fill in any gaps. It'll make for some hilarious moments, I'm sure. It will be. We've got a good little delay going here, guys. Uh, But I got to tell you, I am really excited in my radio voice. Are you ready, kids? Because today is the first day we're podcasting from my new space. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I got it all worked out here. Well, two of us at least. Yeah, well, me. uh, It's it's one hell of an office. It is uh, I've been, a very pleasant home office. It is a very pleasant home, very pleasant we home We haven't office. heard from Chase in about a month. He's been <laughs> woodworking <laughs> been nonstop. Eh, listen, okay, my friend my friend Lara, I made her a kissing booth for her 30th birthday. She wanted to have yeah, like you a, just figured, like, I'll just throw that in while booth. I'm doing the rest. And so she's like, oh, it's so great that I have a carpenter as a friend. I'm like, listen, you know what? Number one, I'm not a carpenter, because every, everywhere carpenters are going like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. You know, number two, this is not woodworking. <laughs> this is plywood in right angles, just like in different dimensions. You'll have to post some photos. And I worked people. it out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. I'm like working on stage. There's lots it. of nice little cubbies. You've got the soundproofing going got, on in I here. I got a lot, of, a lot of sound stuff. It's still not where I want it. But as I'm listening in my voice, like these mics are cutting out a ton of that room. Yeah, it liveness. sounds good. It sounds pretty good. I like it. So anyways, folks, this is the kind of thing that I've been fantasizing for so long to have a pretty like decent sized space to to just do all of my crap in. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is like a 15 year journey. This is probably like al- almost a 20 year journey for me always having like equipment and then it has to like kind of go in some like some like thrown into some makeshift place somewhere that you kind of pull it out eventually and then the room's not right for it. So every time I wanted to record music, like I'd have to like tear apart my bed and put the mattress against the window and like and so it's like you just don't end up making stuff. Yeah. And this is the first space I've had where it's like I, it is built for making stuff. Do you feel like this is work about work though? Oh, totally. Yeah. But it's the work about work I'm totally willing to invest in because uh it'll the the whole dream of this, and again, uh, we'll see if I'm right or not. Some productivity porn is is that you get it all set up, and then you don't, and then and then you're ma- like, I was talking to someone the other day, and it's like you're making that video. Oh, you know, it'd be really great if I had like some footage of me like like drawing or painting out like a word, like you know, uh, keep it simple, stupid, right? right? And I'm interspersing that with like the message that I'm saying. Well, now I can just go set up the camera really quick and actually record that. And it's like, even if I don't use it, it took me seven minutes to do. Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff, it makes a big difference when you're like living hand to mouth and, and just like on what you make. I can't wait to see. 
what, what happens. <laughs> Keep it simple, stupid. So, hey, um, can I uh, just before we begin it? Can I just? I wanted to recap something from last week. Yeah. Um, wait, wait. What's that <clears> called? That's called a uh, follow up. It's called follow, follow up. Follow up yeah. on something from last week. Yeah. So you said a word, and I had to look it up, and we were done podcasting by the time I, I looked up the answer um, for what it was because I it was the kind of word that I'd seen a few times, but in my mind. I never really pieced together what it meant. Yeah. And for some reason, it had a really dirty connotation. Which word? Listicle. <laughs> <laughs> you had never really... Like, I'd never really thought about that word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd just seen it a couple of times, and I thought it was a derogatory way of saying like that it was like a... I don't know, like a... Yeah, yeah. It's like a, like a thing that dangles off someone's body somewhere. Yeah. Oh I mean, it's like, oh, I knew, I knew that it. I knew that lists were involved, <laughs> but I didn't get that the ickle part <laughs> was from article. Yeah. And now I do. It's, ne- it's just an amalgamation ne- of the word in, list and, and article. Now, but the, the, word, the horrible thing about like hearing that word and understanding it is now you look around at the world around you and you go like, oh my God. Yeah. It's all just one giant listicle. Yeah, it like, is. Like I am just... It's, bu- it's BuzzFeed, right? That's- I feel like I am just a bullet point in someone's larger listicle, you know, about modern life. Yeah. And it's a bummer. It's a bummer. You see it everywhere. It's just a game. It's just a game that we're all playing, folks. I think. And there's a word that Barrett said last week that I uh, that he he pronounced differently than I've always read it in my head. You know, mm. one of those things, but yep. I can't remember which word it was. Oh, yeah. It was a good one. Somebody will tell us. Some, I, ho- I hope so. If you remember <laughs> that, at, to put it in the comments uh, of this one, which is at fizzleshow.co slash 15, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, 115. Whoops. Whoa. 115. 115. Wow. 15. 115. What, we just like reset That's 100 the first, episodes? Yeah, I was like, I was like it's, it's, you know what, it feels just like it was the first uh, th- three months of, of recording with you guys, you know? So, so Barrett, I need you to help me get back on task here, and what are we talking about today? All right, so today is a continuation of last week's conversation, which was about kind of dealing with a job that you don't like, dealing with a job that maybe you hate, and different strategies for going about it. We talked about three different ways, Uh, taking a different approach to the job that you're already in, finding a new job, or maybe creating your own job. So today we're going to talk about that last part, the creating your own job, because we didn't really get to that last week. And specifically, we're going to talk, I kind of called it work-work balance in the title that I put in our little project planning software, because this is about having a day job and starting a side business and what you can do to get that off the ground and stay sane while you're doing both at the same time. So that's today's topic. Yeah. Uh, Steph, have you had experience with doing like a side project while you had a day job? Yes, definitely. And I think it's really hard to manage it as well. You know, I think that it's it can be challenging to understand when you're supposed to work on your side project and when is the right time to bear down and be in your day job. And for me, that was a big challenge when I was a Groupon after I realized that I was really wanting to launch my own career coaching business. So for me, it was a very tough balance and I had to figure out how to make that work. Mm. Yeah. So what did you do? So for me, I think the the main thing that helped was getting up early in the morning. I really had to set aside time before my group on time, very intentional, first thing in the morning, um, getting up earlier than I normally would in order to execute on a plan that I had devised the night before. So that time was precious. It may have only been an hour or two in the morning, but it helped me avoid the guilt that I would have faced if I had tried to do sneaky things like work on my side business while I was on my company's time, because that was something I was really dedicated to not doing. So Mm. that was the number one thing for me is finding time that was non-negotiable side business time for me to build and feel excited about it. And the interesting thing is I actually felt my life better in a lot of ways by doing that because I was doing something for myself first thing in the morning, which we talked a little bit about in our last episode about how to not hate your job so much. But starting my day with something that was just for me, my passion, helped me feel better about going to a day job that I sort of felt like wasn't going to be for me forever. So that was my number one thing that I learned is set aside that time in the morning and just execute. Yeah. What's so interesting to me about, about this conversation about side job stuff is... I don't know. I, certainly none of the projects that I did on my own were ever started except but as a side project while I had a day job. Right. Yeah, right? it's pretty common, right? I mean, that's what all of us do, isn't it? Yeah. And yet it's like, it's so, 
it's almost such an impossible thing to try to balance that with a day job, with a life, you know? And then if and, you throw in a kid and a wife or a partner of, of any kind, it's like, totally. Good night. Family, yeah. And um, this is, I think, the most common feedback we get from people about why they haven't been able to start a business or yeah. why they don't have time for fizzle or whatever. Uh, the, the, the answer is, I just don't have time. I don't yeah. have enough time in my day to work on my own project. Yeah. No, absolutely. So, so Barrett, how, how do you want to how do you want to go about this conversation today? You, yeah, I want to start by talking about what you should be thinking about if you currently have a job and you think you want to start a business while keeping your job. So, the first thing I would say is uh, you need to think about legal ramifications of starting a side project while you're working in a job. Did and, you see that that episode of of uh, Silicon Valley yet? I no. think. It was the second to the last one of this season, and uh, it's well, they're just in. It's whether or not they they developed some of the product while he was working at Hooli or not, oh, right? And it. it's this huge legal ar- yep. arbitration about totally. proving because if they touched Hooli's system yeah. even once, right. then Hooli owns it. Yeah, because think about it. Like at Google, they have twenty percent time or whatever, where yeah. you have free time to work on side projects. Yeah, but you then like you, you want to spin that out into your own. It's it's there's some gray area there. Yeah. A lot of people don't have this issue because they're working in a job that's completely separate yeah. from their the lawyers, kind of thing and they right. want to like do an artisanal peanut butter sandwich blog. Yeah, that's really common. Those are hot right now. A lot of lawyers with with peanut butter sandwich blogs. Yeah, keep going, Barrett. No, that's all. And so I think the first thing you need to consider if you're thinking about starting a business is is there something in your contract. That says if you start a business while on company time or while on company property or whatever, that it's going to be your company's business instead of your own. So you need to think about that yeah. first. And what, what the hard thing about that is oftentimes like you you don't really know. You, you can't like, even if it's in the contract, it's hard to find. And you don't really want to bring that up with a with someone that you work for, right? It's like, hey, so if I did like a little thing on the side, is that cool? Like what is there? What, a lot of times no. that can get you into trouble, right? Mm-hmm. But you could have a lawyer look over any employment agreements you have and it probably wouldn't cost you more than a few hundred dollars and it might be really good peace of mind. Yeah. Um, especially if you feel like there's some sort of overlap between what you're trying to build and what your company does. Now, by and large, most people do not even think about this at all. And uh, and a lot of times it's not, I mean, it's, I've arguably done that uh, when I worked at a place and then started my own at like a you know a media making internet videos place. Then I went off and did that on on my own, right? Right. It, but and there's no there's nothing they could do. Well, it was just client services. No, but just, the thing, yeah, in most cases, it's not going to be worth it for somebody to pursue that. Yeah. Um, unless you end up with something that's really valuable on your hands, you yeah. can imagine there must be tons of cases of people who worked at Intel or HP yeah. or somewhere back in the day and came out with some amazing new technology that ended up building a billion dollar company totally. around um, or like, you know, um, Salesforce came yeah. out of Oracle and all of these different things. Yeah, so totally. it's something and not that people are building Salesforce, but it's something to think about. Yeah, at least definitely. Well, I think this raises an important question, too. And this is something I have faced. Even if you do hire a lawyer and you find out that this is okay for you to pursue as a side business while you're in your day job, what do you guys think about dealing with the perception backlash? So your teammates finding out about it, maybe your boss finding out about it, even if it's legal, what about, you know, dealing with what other people within your company think about it and perhaps even thinking that you're not committed within your job? Yeah, that's what's so hard. So this is one of my tips is, is in just, um, I think that what's so critical about this is setting up boundaries so that you can still do your job because like if you're like me and you have a side project it's gonna it consumes me it can be consuming it's consuming man and i'm i've spent so much of my time thinking about it while i was on the clock for someone else and now the 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 challenge is of course there's not enough time in the day to do it but but what where this where this kind of burns both your candles at both ends and all the candles all the candles are burning um so there's just wax everywhere (laughs) is is if you, it just burns you out on your job even more when you disengage. Do you know what I mean? And go yes. totally on this thing, and mm-hmm. it, and and people can just see it. You can see it really clearly. Yeah. And and but like more important for me, it just it didn't lead to to either of those things winning because I'm building something on on stolen time instead of setting up boundaries and having more realistic realistic expectations. So it's like one easy boundary for me was like this only happens during my work break, I or my lunch break. Sorry, I have one hour. 
you know, from 12 to 1. Like, I, I'm going to go to a coffee shop with, with a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and get an espresso, and that's my one hour to work on my, whatever I want that day. You know what I mean? Because when I go back, I'm back to work. And it, it actually was, like, a really great break. It was a good, like, solid break for me during from, like, the regular work stuff, you know? Yeah. So, uh, but, like, in, I never really had any team... Um, backlash stuff for me it was normally it was normally people go, like at, at the office like Andy one of my guys who became my like one of my closest friends he he was just like yeah keep up with your cool little blog dude <laughs> it was just <laughs> right. stuff like that you know yeah what about who's, you Steph who's laughing now did you, yeah Steph did you have did you have to deal with that I totally did have to deal with that and I don't know the question I'm asking myself is whether it was more of a like limiting belief or personal mindset thing but for me as somebody who is considered a leader within my company i was you know at director level i was terrified i mean i was really scared of my boss finding out i had people underneath me i was pretty nervous about the message that was going to send and um i don't know if it was more because i thought that it would send the wrong message or because i thought that people would look at what i was building and say to themselves like oh wow like that's cute why does she think that she can do that so So it might be a combination of things but i have to imagine there's probably a lot of people out there in this situation who are listening who are really feeling like they're leading this double life and i absolutely struggled with that and i don't necessarily know that i ever solved it exactly you know i I even had like, you know, people within my company who I was Facebook friends with and I wanted to like post blog updates, but I like felt like I needed to block them from the update. I mean, it gets to be out of control. You start yeah. to feel really No, that's right. That- that's actually, that's where, I mean, think about how social media just gets so messy. Yeah. What were you going to ask, Corbett? Well, I was wondering if word did get out, Steph. I, I, you know, I think it did a little bit. I started to you know, have like a little core of people that I trusted. And what I found was that the people who did find out thought it was really cool. And if anything, they sort of wish that they had the guts to do it themselves. So I do think a lot of that, if you're feeling that way and you're listening to this, a lot of that might be in your own head in terms of, you know, a bit of imposter syndrome and feeling like you don't, you know, have enough to say and that people in your company might look at it and laugh. And my experience is that that's just not the case. My boss mm. never found out about it, so I can't speak to that as much. But in terms of peers and things like that, I found that in general, a lot of companies think it's cool when people are pursuing awesome things outside of the job because Chase, as you said, in a lot of cases, it makes you a better, more well-rounded employee when you come to work passionate and fired up. Yeah. Yeah. It just kind of depends, I think, on if you're able to separate the two things. Yeah. Right. And so that's where I think the line starts getting gray is, yeah, maybe they look at it as a project that you're passionate about, something that makes you a more well-rounded employee and more passionate about that working at home. Or there may come a time when your boss and the people around you start to say, well, when is she going to tell me she's quitting? Or when is he going to tell me he's quitting? And I think that's where it starts to become a problem. And so a real key to this, all of this, I think, is setting good boundaries for yourself between when is your work work time and when is your side business time. So for those of y'all that have done it, how did you manage the, the difference between showing up to work and doing your job there versus spending time on your company? Well, wait, before you say that, then I do want to get right into that. I just have to say, like, like, I almost want to have a funeral for like, uh, for, for good managers. It's like, where did all the good managers go who are interested <laughs> in developing people? Um, because the truth is, when you work here for us, like, one of the things that's so exciting to me is developing people, is to watch someone like Barrett or Steph, like, learn new skills and become more figure out more of who they are like to me that is just that's from the back in the old day at at church like that that was that's just deep 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 down in my guts now there's no i know that it's just it would be totally futile to try to keep someone around who shouldn't be here or to try to keep someone in a position or or focus on these tasks that it isn't them and it's not in them and this isn't a necessary or when they're outgrowing it or yeah when they're outgrowing like it's that it's that that is how we should be managing each other. But like, but like most of the time, I feel like, cause you, can you imagine? Like, luckily I got this experience of working with a guy who actually, even though he wasn't like fundamentally like focused on developing people, he had a job to do. He had, he had investors and he had a board of directors that he had to sell on what was going on in the company. Right. Like we had three million in investment or whatever it was and we had to make good on that. Right. But, but at the same time, he was old enough. And, and experienced enough to, to like be able to watch me and to realize that I'm going to fly whenever I feel like flying and there's right. no way he can stop me in that. Well, and the reality is like on average people 
under, you know, millennials keep jobs for like three years or something yeah. now instead mm-hmm. of what people used to. And so you know that you and your manager both are going to end up in different places yeah. at some point. Yeah. Uh, the way I look at this as, uh, you know, a person who's hiring yeah. um, is that I the ideal situation as a manager is that you find people whose future career is an extension of the career that they're doing right now mm. so that they're... Um, success in this particular role will help them in the future if you hire people who are going to go off and do something completely different from what they're doing right now then you run into that situation where they might be working on something on company time because what's going to happen is um they feel like it doesn't matter how i do in this role because my new life is different yeah you know i'm going off to do something else and so their reputation isn't really at stake so i think you you want some sort of overlap there i know um when when I was in my first job, when I decided to start um, doing something on the side, I had a really hard time not doing it um, at work. Yeah. I remember I'd, I would I would work on it at night, and this was when I was traveling. So I was in a hotel room. My wife wasn't there. So I had nothing better to yeah. do than go home to the hotel and work for three or four hours before I went to bed. But then I'd wake up in the morning, and maybe I was in the middle of some some problem, and I just couldn't wait to get back yeah. to it. And I remember totally. sneaking away you know, for yeah. an hour or something in the in the morning to work on it. Um, in that case, I didn't tell anyone, um, except for one guy that I worked with because we were more friends than, um, than, you know, coworkers. And I'm glad that I didn't tell my boss or anything because that business idea didn't end up working out Mm. and I needed a job. And that's something you have to think about. Like there's a good chance you're going to have to salvage the career that you've been working totally. on. Totally, and that's not that's not a small point. Not that you're going to have to salvage it, but like give yourself this as a rule. You will where where you are going to end on good terms, right? Just never end on bad terms. Totally, never end on bad terms. I mean, there's going to be situations maybe where you can't avoid it, but you whenever you do everything you can to end on good terms. You know why? Because you have no idea where your where your life is going to touch these people again. And it's Absolutely. not just that company; it's yeah. these people. They show up again and again in your life potentially and even if they don't it's just a rule and you and you make good by that because that's who you are and that's how you walk through the world you know did you uh you guys saw the most recent season of mad men season i haven't seen the finale yet season seven i, Gosh, seen I can't finale. believe i haven't seen the finale i'm yet. not gonna i'm not gonna let because too- the last season is incredible the whole season yeah, yeah it's amazing yeah uh i'm not gonna let too much fly here but um there was this character lou who kind of took over yeah, for yeah. don draper for a while and um I worked with this kind of guy before. He and throughout the course of season seven, he's working on his own side project, which was this comic yeah. called Scout's Honor. <laughs> yeah. And every, everybody, right. everybody mocked him. And eventually, it ends up working out for him. Yeah. And he is just waiting. He's like got all this pent up energy, and he just can't wait for that phone call yeah. when he gets to tell Don Draper to shove it. Yeah. And I worked with that that kind of guy before, where their whole goal is to burn bridges because they're so pissed about their job or yeah. whatever. Um. And I don't think that ever works out for anybody, unless you're like at retirement age and maybe you don't care. And, but, and, and, but it's just like, unless you're the kind of person that's just like, that's just totally fueled by spite. And it, this can bring yeah. people back from the dead. You know what I mean? But yeah. but the, the the point is that that you don't have to be like that and you can choose to be different. And so I, I kind of want to just to 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 say that, but Bear, we were on, we were getting into something. I forgot now. So point being, or, or like the point we we're headed towards is, how do you establish boundaries for yourself between day job and showing up and being valuable there and your side business and having enough energy to put time and effort into that? So I don't know if y'all have managed that or how you manage it, so, but I'd love to hear how. Yeah. So let me share an anecdote from um, somebody that I mentioned a few weeks ago. Uh, his name's Joseph Michael, and he runs a site called Learn Scrivener Fast. And um, I just re-interviewed him last week because we're going to do a blog article at the Sparkline to kind of tell his story because it's pretty interesting. Um, he was working for a uh, casino, at the headquarters of a casino, and I think he had the kind of job where you don't really have a choice. And mm. I think a lot of people are in these kinds of jobs where it's not as if I can sneak away and work for an hour. I, you know, I, I have to be on yeah. while I'm at my job doing yeah. stuff. Um, and if that's the case, what he ended up doing was he, you know, looked at his schedule. And just felt like, man, there's just no time in the day. And I think everybody feels this. You know, yeah. it's like, I just don't have time. Um, there's a famous Gary Vaynerchuk video from like 2008. He was giving a keynote talk. Web 2.0. And yeah, yeah. he just gets fired up. And in it's the middle of it. It's still one of like the best things. That, it's so yeah. motivating. He he gets fired up. And in the middle of it, he's he starts talking about how you do have time. And, it, and 
and at the crescendo, we'll just we'll add it to the yeah. Thing. I'll put it in the show notes. He says, "Stop watching f-ing Lost." Like <laughs> this was when Lost was really really popular. He's like, "You say you don't have time, but yeah. I know you watch Game of Thrones. Yeah, everybody does. Yeah, stop watching Game of Thrones." And for Joseph, what he did was um, he uh, had a lunch hour, and it was like everybody would go out and you know have fun and yeah. go to a restaurant or whatever. He gave that up. Yeah. He stopped going out with his colleagues so that he could go. He said he literally would take his laptop, get in his car, drive his car to the other end of the parking lot where nobody would bother him. Yeah. And he would be in there banging away. Sometimes he would do a webinar from his laptop wow. from like the corner of the parking lot. Just with some Wi-Fi or something? Yeah, just with Wi-Fi from that's the company, great. from the uh, building or great. whatever. So that's the di- notice, notice that difference, by the way. Because um, I do take issue with with this, this idea of like, oh, you can do this, just hustle harder. You're just not hustling hard enough, right? And the, the, the Gary Vaynerchuk or Jason Kalkanis kind of like, you just go out and, and do it. Because I'm not like that. Like I'm artsy-fartsy, like I need my beauty sleep. You do too, Corbett. We established that a couple episodes ago. But like <laughs> I need... Like that matters a great deal to me that my work comes from a place of play instead of a place of obligation or a place of like, I don't know, just, just uber results driven stuff. That's because just because that, that's what burns me out, but, right? But I, I don't think that's true because if it's something new and fresh and you're trying to get it off the ground, yeah. it's not obligation. But here's the other thing. Here's the other thing with that. But let me, let me finish that. That idea is, is there's a lot of people out there who are going like, I wish I had made more progress on my thing. And they watched Gary's 2.0 talk, which again will be in the show notes fizzleshow.co slash 115 and they'll be like oh i just didn't do enough and it's true yeah you, you didn't you didn't do enough but the, the the solution is not to um you know like pat flynn and gary vaynerchuk pat says he's like lives on like four and a half hours of sleep like last time i talked to him yeah. this was the last time i talked to him about that was like a year and a half ago but it's like that's not no like, this is the most sleep is like the only way that i'm going to stay married to my wife because number one cuddles number two just like i'm not a terrible person when I when I got some sleep, you know what I mean. Number three, cuddles. Number three, a little more cuddles. Um, the pillow talk is is the only reason why we were able to survive what we've survived. But but the the point being is, is it's not just all about hustle. There's this other thing where it's like it's not just working harder; it's working smarter. You know what I mean? That's where um, that's getting back to this point about boundaries, Barrett. I think this is probably the place where the most most sort of life hacky things could be incredibly helpful for people, right? So one of them that we've heard, we've said twice now is find a time in your day, like your lunch break is built in as a time potentially where you can maybe only have 45 minutes, maybe you have an hour and a half, I don't know, but you, you, it's special, it's sacred and you're giving, you're giving up a thing. So maybe first of all, there's lunch break as a specific thing, but you've abstracted up one level from that. And it's just like, give one thing up and replace it with the time with with working on your thing that kind of structure can be completely like just like life shattering in terms of like how much you're able to get done just because um just because you have a place for it and i and i want to mention or talk about that that feeling that you got when you like did something the night before and you just couldn't help yourself the morning Mm. of like you had to get into it i mean i that's what this whole bookshelf project has been like for me right? right i'm just itching to get more done on it right but that can that can be an unsustained. Not only is it is it unsustainable, not, but of course it's not meant to be sustainable. But but there's something else besides that. There, there, what it comes from is a lack of of um, and and sometimes this is just unavoidable. You can't plan everything. But there's another way where it's like what it like what I'm learning from the productivity journaling from our check in process and all that stuff that we've talked about before. Every Monday we check in. Here's what I'm going to do this week. Every Friday check out. Here's what I did this week. Um, from those sorts of things, when you start to see the delta, the difference between what you thought you were going to do and what you actually did, when you're keeping track of it, yeah. you start saying, I'm going to do more realistic things, mm-hmm. right? You start going like, okay, I thought, I, I, that's, the fi- uh, that's the fifth week in a row I said I was going to do five things, and I've only done two in, the, in that week, right? Right. So where you start kind of going like the night before, you know, when you bite off just a tiny little bit more than you can chew, and it's just that addictive sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's, uh, there's if you look at, you know, the... The, the old the old story of of um, the difference between you know battling everybody out and being able to try to try to win in that but if you lose you like lose bad versus like just that war of attrition and you and the the people who marched you know ten miles a day got there yeah got, or it's like course you know, management like I'm, exactly like you were talking about yeah. so so it's it's there's some sort of mix between those two for me but keep keep going you you you, you well I I just so I think there's a there's a phase during any like new project yeah. where it's like you're on PCP. Yeah. And you can get more done than you normally would be totally. able to. There's this whole other gear that you didn't know you had. Yeah. 
And I, I think you have to run with that sometimes. You totally do. You're and if right. you and if you don't feel that, if you're like, oh, I don't have enough time to get my thing done, then maybe it's something that isn't really right for you. Hmm. You know, maybe if you have to force yourself in the very beginning stages of a project yeah. to find an hour here or there to work on it, um, maybe it's time to move on Dude, to something else. That's a really big point, by the way. I feel like. Because how many times in my life did I feel like I really wanted a side project? And so, because like I wanted to be like Pat Flynn or I wanted to be like Corbett Barr, or I wanted to this, that, and the other, right? And so I was in that mode. And, and the really, the truth is, I was just running with whatever idea I had at the time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it wasn't a good idea. Yeah. And it certainly didn't work out. Yeah. I mean, right? that's a good and, and so I put myself under so much pressure just to like do all this stuff. Um, and but then you're just sitting around waiting for the better idea, and that, and you can't do that. You have to be working on stuff because that's when the next idea is going to come. Yeah. So I don't know, guys. What are you What are you hearing over there? I mean, I think one of the big things I've found is, and Chase, you've totally said this before, and it resonated with me. At a certain point, when you work on your passion for long enough, it's going to start to feel like work, right? Like, so yeah. I think that that's partially inevitable. Everything but, becomes a job. Yeah, totally. So you have to anticipate that to some degree. But the other thing I would say is that one thing that really helped me is I found I would lose steam if I didn't stay on top of my plan or even ahead of mm. my plan. So the enemy to my side business was if I was late on getting a blog post up or I, I hadn't accomplished what I was supposed to that week and I felt like I was scrambling, it felt forced and not authentic. So when you're working with really limited time, whether it's on your lunch break, sitting in your car, it's in the morning at five o'clock in the morning, or it's you know late at night, I think you have to have intention and you have to stay on top of that plan, if not ahead of it. So you feel like you have that exhilaration from, you know, making progress within your business. Because if you have a very narrow time frame and you're just constantly trying to fight to get back on track, it's not going to feel good. And it, no one is going to enjoy that, I don't think. Yeah. Barrett, do you have any tips on on um, on this, this boundary stuff you were talking about? Well, I guess just from a tactical perspective, you have uh, before work during lunch and after work, and then the weekends that you can do this thing. And depending on your job, it's going to change how much time you realistically have to commit towards it. So Corbett, you know, you and you talked about in a past episode, maybe last episode about you kind of going against the grain at work and maybe not working as many hours as everyone else, but doing just as uh, high value and high quality of work. So that would be one option. If you think that you have to work too many hours at work would be Go against the grain, do just as high quality work as everyone else, but don't work as much and then use those extra hours to put into your business. Um, but if you work a typical job where you're working 40 to 50 hours a week, then you can find hours in the morning, you can take your lunch break, or you can stay up late and get the work done. Chase, you bring up important issues about family life though. So, you know, when you throw a family into the mix, kind of everything goes out the window. If you're in charge of you know, making dinner, putting the kids to bed or whatever your family responsibilities are, it makes it pretty tough in the evenings to just pour work and hours into your business and then still get sleep too. So I guess just know that you've got to choose morning, lunch, evening, or weekends or some combination of those. But regardless, you need to find five, 10, 20 hours a week if you can find it to put towards your business if you want to make any kind of meaningful progress. And in some, now, go for it. What uh, another option, um, which is something I did for my second big startup um, attempt, was that after I had some confidence that things were going in a decent direction, um, after my business partner and I had committed, we had formed the company, we were working on the project, uh, I went to my boss this time around and said, hey, I've got this side project and it's it's looking um, promising. Mm. I want to go uh, part-time. And so I was in a consulting role and we made it work. It didn't happen right away, but after a month or so, I cut back to about half-time or 20 to 30 hours a week, something yeah. like that, which just bought me a couple of days a week that I could pour into this thing. And Partly, a few hundred dollars less a week or something like that, Yeah. right? Yep, whatever it was. Um, and... Uh, Partly I did that because my business partner was full-time. And that's a weird situation you can get into. Yeah. If you're part-time and your business partner is full-time on, on the project, um, then it, it can lead to some weird yeah. dynamics and you just feel pressure. I'm to doing do more that. than you is the number one. And I also, I also felt like, and this is maybe something that um, Barrett had planned to talk about later, there's this point at which you're going to have to take a leap. Or you don't necessarily have to. Yeah. Um, if you've listened to Steve Chu from mywifequitterjob.com, mm. uh, if you've heard his story, 
um, he actually still works a day job to this day. He's in semiconductor manufacturing in um, Silicon Valley. And he has, his wife has a successful business and he has a successful side project, both of which earn more than his day job does. (laughs) And yet he still works his day job just because he loves it. And because he's figured out a way to, um, he puts in a few hours after work on his side project and it's enough to earn a ton of money and have fun and whatever. So you don't necessarily have to, but for me, I just felt like I was going to have to take the leap at some point. And so um, I kind of eased into it. I went half time for a while Mm -hmm. without fully committing. My boss was like, well, let's check in every, you know, few weeks and see how you're doing. He was supportive of it. And then eventually uh, a few months later, I I went full time on the side project. Yeah, I love that. I've got a couple ideas on on uh, uh, just a couple more on this boundary stuff. Number one is uh, you mentioned the family stuff. If you have not yet, please, if if you are if you are in some sort of a long term relationship with anybody, uh, please go listen to episode fifty five if you haven't yet. And if even if you have, go listen to it again. There's a handful of ideas in there that can be so incredibly helpful when you're processing and trying to do a business on the side. Namely, how do I get my partner on the same page as me about this business? Because I got to be honest, you guys, I didn't. I never did that. And I dealt with that. I never got Melissa. Like, she always believed in me. She always rooted for me. But I never, like, brought her in. I still don't do a great job of that. I don't like to talk about this stuff. Like, the, like I, my brain shuts down after five, right? But but getting her on the same page has meant so much. And it alleviates so much of that, what, just that invisible tension that that happens. And so when you're working on a, on a, on a side job, get your partner on the same page as you, right? Or 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 your buddy or whatever. Like another thing, um, you mentioned weekends, Barrett. You can have one weekend a year, or maybe, or sorry, one weekend a month, maybe, or or maybe every six weeks, where you just do a sprint. You go at, to you you find an Airbnb for two nights in some you know mountain town somewhere or something like that, and you're just you just sprint. For, you don't you, like no internet. You're just writing, or you're whatever, or you're just internet, and you're or you're making the website, or who knows what, right? But you sprint. You just have a weekend. Those compact times where you're spending more than an hour, more than three hours, like you're you're going for full days, maybe even more than full days on a thing because it's so time boxed. That can be so helpful to get so much crap done in such a little amount of time. Because um, for me, when I was building my stuff, it always felt just like there's way too, like even right now with Fizzle, we've got a to-do list and a plan that's so much longer than we have the resources for. And it can, and it's a really stressful place to live all the time. you got to be like full on super zen <laughs> about this stuff, like breathe in, breathe out. Um, but I, I want to talk really quick about this, this planning thing I, me- I mentioned before. Like, I feel like this work smarter, not harder thing is actually is maybe one of the biggest pieces of this. When you have a plan of what you're doing and you realize that, okay, this side project is a hunch. It's a hypothesis. It's a test. Okay. I have to, what is, what would it take? How will I know if this is worth spending another group amount of time on it? Right? So here's a question. How long are you going to work on the side project? Most of you in the audience, if you're anything like me, would say, oh, I don't know, I don't, I don't know, I didn't think about that. I, I'm just working until it's not working anymore, right? How will you know if it's not working? How will you know if it's working? Answering those two questions, really only answering one question. How would you know if this is worth inv- spending a lot more time on, right? So maybe if it's like, oh, I've got 50 people on the email list, or maybe it's like I've made, uh, as when I've made my had my first, you know, thousand dollar month or something like that, or a hundred dollar month, right? Or, or made my first hundred dollars from this thing, right? There's a lot of of you know, metrics that you can set, that's totally up to you. But deciding on what that is and saying like, okay, how much time do I think I need to do that? So maybe it's two months, maybe it's six months, maybe it's 12, I don't know. But if you have a good plan like that so that you can then zoom back out and go like, all right, manage myself. I'm the CEO now. How am I doing at this job? Is this my position? I want to develop myself. Is this what I should be doing? Is this, you know, like all of that sort of stuff. Man, if we could just zoom out and and realize that like you this is one idea of of hundreds that you'll have throughout your life and the whole point is simply to not give up because one of them will probably end up working out if you're if you have the DNA and stuff like that and there's no way to tell until it's happened yep. but but that idea of like 
really creating a simple strategic plan that then you can fulfill is great. That's, I, I think part of that is having that timeline. How many months are you going to work on this? Okay, I'm going to work on this for six months. In six months, I will have accomplished X, Y, and Z. And my hypothesis is that I would have achieved these results, right? If you could just put that on a, on a freaking post-it note, right? On, like at, in your, on your bathroom wall or in your bathroom window, you know what I mean? That you see every morning to remind yourself, like, this is what, it, what, what, what you're heading towards. And, and then maybe another one for why you're doing it. Just like a picture of, of I don't know, you on a beach or something. I don't know, whatever you're into. Um, but but because the, the thing that's going to kill your work is, is going to be you giving up. And you know why you give up? Is because you didn't focus on the important work. Instead, you, you, you kind of flubbed about. And like, well, I'm not really cut out to be an entrepreneur because we all do that. How many hours were you just on Facebook? I don't know. It felt like 20 minutes. Yeah, it was three hours you were just on Facebook. Totally. That never happened to me more than when I was trying to build my own freaking side project, right? Yeah. I mean, wouldn't yeah, you say totally. that, that distraction never happened more in my life? Yeah, you made some good points in there. And so I'll recommend a couple of things, a couple of tools here. The first one is rescue time. And maybe we mentioned that before, but rescue time catalogs the time you're spending on your computer every uh, every week, I think, and sends you a summary. And it says two hours on Facebook, 10 hours in email, you know, whatever. And you can see how your time was actually broken down in across all of your applications and websites. That is incredibly informative and it will show you real quick whether you're doing actual work or play work. And then the second thing is Seth Godin's Ship It Journal is really good for what you were talking about a minute ago, Chase, with planning projects and putting constraints on them so that you know is this done? When is it done? How do I know whether to move on or keep going? All of those boundaries are great to set, especially if this is a side project and it's not your full-time job. Yeah. And I think uh, like, I just want to present the other option, which is like, hey, just explore this lackadaisically. Like just, just allow yourself to just fiddle around and, and fool around with it. Cause that's, I certainly had seasons in my life where actually that's what I needed to be doing. And, and putting myself under all of these structures and trying to become someone that I wasn't and all this other stuff wasn't helpful in, in any way, shape, or form. If I would have just been free and easy with it, it would have been so much more helpful. So, so the other sure, option but- is realize that that's an option for you. And, and, and that's where it's like, I'm not quitting my job this year or in the next two or three years. This might take me five years to figure out, and that's okay. You know what I mean? Like, I think that exactly. creating that, path, that room for that left-hand path is okay. Don't act like someone, though, who has a hard deadline to work towards if you're just going to explore. Don't put all this pressure on yourself. Don't act like you need to start making money. Don't act like it's imperative you you quit your job tomorrow. If you're going to explore, just use the time to explore and enjoy it. If you want to quit your job and you want to get out of there ASAP, then do the project planning thing and have some boundaries. Yeah, I love it. Um, the other thing I want to say related to earlier is you can't start a side project and then just start sucking at your job. That doesn't work because like Corbett said earlier, Many of your projects are going to fail and it's highly likely that you're going to have a failed project before you have a successful one. And so if you're going to do this thing on the side, don't just take that as, oh, I'm starting my thing. Therefore I can suck at my job because if I get fired, it's not a big deal. That could be a very bad situation. And the way to protect yourself from it is to keep showing up and keep being valuable and not just put off your real work because you're excited about the other thing. Yeah, I think that's bang on. Because again, to me, the real danger with that is is not even getting fired or any of that. It, it, that is a real danger. The the real, but like, there's this other thing going on, which is like your your sake your sacred dignity, <laughs> your your ability to look at yourself in the mirror and feel good about your your yourself. And but beyond that, it's this sustainability of your work. And if you're constantly stealing to 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 stealing time to do stuff, it just builds up. It's like this blackness that like the work that you're stealing time to go do gets worse. And then the work that you're getting paid to do in your day job gets worse. So nobody ends up winning. Yeah, totally. Um, Okay, so let's talk about you've started your company, it's on the side, you're still doing good work, and it's kind of starting to tick off a little. You're seeing some traction. So you're not just exploring at this point. You've put some boundaries around it and it's, you're starting to see some momentum. Maybe you've uh, built a little bit of an audience. Maybe you have a product idea. Where do you go after you start kind of testing the waters and then you're starting to move farther in? I want to talk to... Steph, do you have any ideas on that? So in terms of where to go after you've 
started to see some some success, like what the next step is. Yeah, what would you do? Yeah, so you've decided you're going to start a business on the side. You've done it. And now you're kind of starting to see some progress. So this, I mean, this point that I'm about to make kind of goes back to some things that Chase was saying. And I think it also answers the question. Two things that were big for me, and this also has to do with talking to your your partner in life about what you're doing. You know, one thing that John and I did is we sat down and I made him very aware that this was the direction I wanted my life to go in. And we did decide on what that endpoint was going to look like. You know, in Fizzle, we call it freedom number. I had sort of phrase it with him more like a spaghetti number, if you will, meaning what was like the bare minimum that I was going to have to bring in. Ramen profitable. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. In order for us to know that this thing was the real deal. And we came up with that number. That was the first thing. The second thing is, and this actually still kind of freaks me out to this day. I remember one night in my Chicago winter here, I was January and I was sitting in my car. I had just gotten back from work. I think I was on the phone with my mom and I just picked this random day in April. And I said to myself, I'm just, I don't know how it's going to come together, but I know that by that point, I am going to be at a crossroads where I will be able to quit. And I'm going to put my head down and I'm going to figure out how I can do the work that I'm really passionate about by that day. I actually marked it in my Google calendar. And weirdly, I actually ended up quitting my job that day to work for Fizzle, which is really weird. But I don't think it's a coincidence. I was squarely focused on that being the time when I was going to get to go and jump off the cliff and work on the things I'm really passionate about. So I think knowing what you're working towards and having that hard end date, and I think Corbett may have mentioned this in our last episode, but knowing that there was an end date helped me be able to still give my full heart and soul to my day job because I knew it wasn't going to be forever. So I would really say, try to come up with something realistic where you think that you might be able to push yourself and just work really hard towards being able to make that transition. You know, there's just so much power when you just put your (laughs) intention out into the universe like that, right? I mean, because what happens is we're all like, as as my friend Neil deGrasse Tyson always says, we're just stardust, right? You know, we come from the stars. We are the same thing as the stars. Okay, guru. And so what happens (laughs) is when you you know sort of put your intention out there this is I don't know if you guys are familiar with The Secret but uh, very good Uh, you know they have a DVD now what is it what's the secret uh, I can tell you right you have to buy the DVD (laughs) to understand the secret right Uh, but it's very powerful right and if you and if you get involved now you can get involved in my network marketing program you you know how Barrett's just all business over there these days Barrett's like okay guru guy on to the next (laughs) checkpoint he's got his he's (laughs) he's got his clipboard we did have our we had our 10 minutes of uh, he's got his Stop Home watch. office discussion at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Jeez. just taking dookies all over Chase's heads. Oh, and you man. know, well, listen though, like you can joke about it for sure, but that's the thing. No, it's a, it's a big deal. It's intentional. Yeah, yeah. Because if you don't, if you're if you don't set an intention, you're gonna just keep spinning your wheels into eternity. And I will say, I worked a lot harder knowing that I had this date that I wanted to have my dream life. Yeah, and that might sound cheesy or weird but it really did work totally for me. to me and i think the proof's in the pudding it, to me it's this power of like the chris johnson 10 10 10 thing where it's just it's simply saying the 10 people the 10 projects yeah. the 10 things that i want to do it's simply realizing it enough in yourself to go like oh i'd love to do that and writing that down on something for me it was when my uh no longer wife's stepfather um they've since been divorced. The stepfather is the no longer, right? The stepfather's not the, no, the wife. Not the wife. <laughs> the stepfather's <laughs> no me longer. Too. Um, <laughs> when I was uh, 17 and he started dragging me to Amway meetings, um, they told me to go home and make a little mood board or something of like the things that I wanted in my life. Do it, that, Corbett. So there was, uh, there was like a, like a tropical vacation up there. There was a brand new shiny Honda Civic oh, on that board. Oh, hatchback or were we talking about regular? regular. <laughs> um, <laughs> And uh, that that led a lot of places. Yeah. As, as uh, How could it not? Yeah. When you got a picture of a, of a Civic sedan p- looking at you, I tell you what, you're going to start shaping up or shipping out. So something that comes to mind when we talk about like, what do you do next? Yeah. I think this is really dependent on how you're going to function um, based on your financial resources. Yes. And so for some people, leaping without a safety net can be motivational. They yeah. can feel like, oh man, I really got to get something done here. And that can be enough to power them through and to get some stuff done. Um, other people are going to be just completely terrified and paralyzed by the fear of spending savings without any income coming in or without enough income to cover everything that you need to. And so I think you really need to 
um, have a conversation with yourself and yeah. your family or your yeah. spouse or whatever about that situation. And there's a good chance that you aren't going to be able to know how you're going to react until you're in that situation. Yeah. Um, but be prepared that it it may do weird things to your emotional state and um, and that you may need to have a fallback position or something. If you, let's say, quit your job, you think, I'm going to have all this time and be able to build my business really fast. Yeah. And then you find out, well, time isn't really the limiting factor Mm-mm. in a lot of cases. It's having a good idea, you know, and it's yeah. um, being able to focus on what you need to get done. A lot of times people quit their jobs and then they find themselves playing Xbox all day because they just feel like it's just really hard to focus and to direct yourself to get things done. Yeah. And then you're spending your savings and it's just a, a downward spiral. Um, so so really think about that. And, and I think the answer is different for everybody. You hear stories of some people who um, leave before they have any income. Yeah. And then you hear other people like Steve Chu who hasn't left yet, even though he's had a business for five years. And, um, I don't know. I don't know how you're going to figure that out. That's such a big point though. That's such a big point. Cause a lot of us read crap on the internet and then we go like, all right, so this is how it's supposed to be done. You know, when really that's just, how, that's like, that's Gary V's point of view. Yeah. This is Corbett Barr's point of view. This is, this is Pat Flynn's point of view and that's how they did it. And, and they have a lot of experience. And it's but, how we're wired. You but know, you gotta, you gotta still be able to like open up and realize you're going to do this. If you do this successfully, you will do it your way. Like that will be, you will look back and go like, I did this my way and that's why it was successful. Otherwise, you're going to, you're going to be somebody else. But the truth is, is like, like realizing that what you just said, have a conversation with yourself, right? I agree with that. But what are some of the questions that you need to ask yourself in that conversation? Because it's easy to say you got to do it your way and somebody's way might not be your way and different ways work for different people. What are some questions that people can ask themselves as they're thinking about, I want to leave this job or I think I might make a jump someday from this job to being a full-time entrepreneur. What are the questions they need to ask themselves about the criteria they should set for that decision? Well, so specifically, um, from a financial standpoint, there's something known as a runway. And that's basically how much money do you have in savings? And given your monthly spend, how long does that give you before you run out of cash? It's the same for a business. It's also the same for your personal finances. Um, and so, you know, if you, let's say you have $100,000 in the bank and you're spending $5,000 a month, then you have 20 months. And that's assuming that you're not going to earn anything. But you can also project that, okay, you know, uh, six months from now, I'm going to start earning this. And then you can you can model it out in a spreadsheet and figure yeah. that out. Um, however, despite doing that, you might still find yourself in a state of panic. Mm. And with all this anxiety and paranoia, um, because you might get three months into it and maybe you miss your first months of projections, yeah. you know, and you're like, oh, I was supposed to be earning a thousand dollars by now and I'm not at all. So yeah. what does that do to my runway? And that can really start messing with your head. So I, I think you can do all you want to plan for it and you should, but it still doesn't mean that you're going to be prepared when, when those emotional factors start coming into play. Yeah. All right. So the first thing is understanding your financial runway and it's a combination of how much money do you have in the bank? What are your monthly expenses and how much money is your business already making to offset those expenses? Yeah. You know what's so exciting about all of this, right? I remember this. Do you remember back in the day, like having this conversation with with your your partner or spouse or, or yourself and just going like, so so how much do we really need? Like, so what do we what do we need? And like what are our what are even just doing the whole the, like the budget stuff? Like what are our expenses? Yeah. Like what's right. the what's the car payment? What's the house? Like what's what's the this, that, and the other? How about taxes? What are yada yada yada? Yep. Um and so you and, and you're getting to that. I love that spaghetti sort of spaghetti income level, right? Mm-hmm. The ramen profitable level of just like this is the lowest we need to to survive. We can drink box wine if we have to, right, Steph? <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. For, it opens your eyes. It, it really does. Well, it does something to your eyes. <laughs> it's like what's <laughs> is that pink eye? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's Franzia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Franzia. <laughs> Sorry, Franzia, oh, darling. Franzia. Yeah. Uh, my grandpa. If you're gonna say Ranye, you have to say Franzia. <laughs> I think <laughs> my grandma used to always say she was going shopping at Target. Yeah. <laughs> there are there are a lot of things. So it's a really good conversation to have with yourself. And and I suggest this even if you're not thinking about yeah. leaving your job, just to look at your expenses and to say, like, if I really had to, like, you know, how low could I get my expenses? Do you know, I mean, month? think about like if you haven't if you haven't seen that documentary on unhappiness, it's on Netflix. Uh, it's just called Happy. That that's great. One of the things that we know in all our happiness research is like people it, it, that like income doesn't actually have 
a it great does deal just to up do to a certain point until yeah, you, yeah just right. up and it's way lower than you might you might imagine which I, I and some one study said like 75 another one said like 50 uh it's hard to tell because like all over the world there's all these different income levels and like arguably you know the happiest place on earth is is uh nagasaki or something like that right like uh, or uh, one of these one of those little islands out there that like there's no men there cuz they all died right so it's mm. like these there's a there now they're like they're like young young kids and stuff like that running around and i guess some men have come and populated some things of the island but it's mostly these old women who like lost everybody they loved uh, in during these wars i mean they're, they're the right the right where the bombs went off right and uh i can't remember if it's on the i don't think it's on the island nobody survives on the island right know. but uh but that that uh the hardship bring, builds so much happiness. That's one of the things that they find in a lot of this research about happiness is that like ter- like tough, terrible, hard things makes us better, makes us happier, right? And so in some ways, <laughs> just kind of ratcheting down brings this mindfulness of like of like what a dollar is and and how you make a dollar and then yeah. how you spend a dollar that is happening as a real life thing all the time that you're totally oblivious to, right? Because guess what? One click yeah. and it's here in two days. Right, so it's like I'm Amazon Prime and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, four dollars extra, and it's here tomorrow. Oh, see, and then it's like, <laughs> dude, three ninety nine. It's not even four; it's three ninety nine. Right? Yeah. This is the world we live in. But, but the 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 point is, I'm just remembering those those conversations, how fun they can be, and how this this idea of doing a side project. I mean, one of the biggest things, the first thing that I actually have on my list to to talk about is like, start now, do mm-hmm. it now. Like, this is the most exciting fun thing you can do right now and it's and it's just free like you you give up lunch right or you and and and, and, and like it's like the national reserve it's like it's like one weekend a year and two two weeks a month or i don't know what it is <laughs> something like that but you just you can choose every month to give a weekend and just build a thing i i found this this article called the 51 coolest side projects we've ever we've ever seen and let me see if i still have it up uh, I don't. Let me. I just want to like. There's a few of them. I'll put it in the show notes. There's a few of them that were just like really cool because they're just simple ideas. Um, the message is medium rare. Okay, it's a. He just go, this person goes around. I don't know if it's a he or she, uh, and kind of does a review of these hamburgers, but mm-hmm. then but then uses like bits from the hamburger to talk about design principles. So like as a way to just sort of like make you hungry and learn a little bit about design at the same time. Um, Let's see. There, there were some podcasts. There's uh, a song a day, like just the uh, some lady who was like, "Listen, I, I, it was kind of like all my friends they didn't know where to find new music, and so I started sending them emails one one a, a week uh, with one new song to listen to. Yeah, right. And now it's grown into a thing as a side project. Just a great idea, right? Yeah. Well, that's how Zagat started. There you go, yeah. Zagat, and 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 also uh, brain pickings and things. Um, let me see a couple others. One Jim's pancakes. He just every morning, I think he does a new a pancake like artist thing. <laughs> he's like he's like the one that they're showing here is the Millennium Falcon done as a pancake. Like he's so he's making pancake art. I love that. That's incredible. Yeah, that one's cool. Um, uh, Catalyst Wedding Co. Hold on, I'm trying to find a couple of the other ones that I really liked. There was one that I actually signed up for. Think clearly. Okay, it's a a practice for hatching your visions and making them come true. It all begins with a blank page and coffee. And every whatever week, he sends you a handwritten um, sort of like note kind of thing, telling you how to do sort of how to take better handwritten notes. But mm. not just t- taking notes, but like getting your thoughts out on a page using a page and a pencil as a tool to get your thoughts out very clearly and very fast, mm. so that you can actually do something with them. Right? Simple things like that, where it's 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 all of these great little little silly side projects that can turn into like incredible things. Yep. You know, like my friends Dan and Tom at Studio Need who did that with the glyph and it just ended up becoming a massive thing that's birthed their company making all of these great products. Um and I don't know. This the number one on my list is start now because what you're get to ask yourself, the questions that you get to ask yourself when you're doing a side project are kind of the the biggest questions you could ask yourself in the whole world. And if you keep them small, like it's like, who am I and what am I here for? It's like, well, I might be here it, it, in some ways that, that's, that's unhelpful. Let me, let me sketch, go back and say like, what do I, what do I enjoy? What do I wish? What am I good at? What am I better than other people at maybe? And maybe making art out of pancakes, <laughs> you know, but I don't know. It's a big, it's a really big deal to do this stuff. And it's a real luxury to be able to do it. Um, and, and in some ways I feel like <laughs> you're leaving money on the table 
when you're not doing this. And I'm not, not, I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about a life that you're engaged in, that you're like using your hands and your brain and your heart to do something. And you're taking a little piece of you and you're putting it out in the world and it's touching other people and then giving them words and pieces and images and, and things for things they didn't know how to express themselves. And it's incredibly beautiful. And it's, it might be exactly what you're here on this earth to do. So I've got a little story I'm going to share here from uh, a fizzler, a real life one that closes out. Uh, Steph or Corbett, you have any, any last words on your end? I mean, I don't know which story you were going to share, Barrett. There is one that I kind of wanted to mm-hmm. pose and put on the table in terms of questions to ask yourself. So can I go ahead and read this little excerpt from Paul Foxton? Sure. Okay. So, so for me, what this means is in addition to asking yourself what your financial situation needs to be in order for this to be viable, before you go and quit your job, ask yourself if you're even doing it for the right reasons. And this this point really re- resonated with me. So he says, I left my job for a negative reason. I hated it. Once I was out, I had no goal beyond that. I was directionless. When it happens next time, I'll be doing it for a positive reason, for something I really want to do. It's more difficult to get there, but will be sustainable and meaningful. And that I think is just really important for everybody out there. It goes hand in hand with our last episode. But just because you hate your job is not the reason to go jump off the cliff and try to make it work. You have to leave because you feel on fire about what you're going to work on next and feel positive about it. So in addition to the financial questions, I would just say, ask yourself, are you doing this? Are you quitting your job for the right reason? Or is it more of an escape hatch? Mm. I like that. Corbett? Um, I, I think this, in the end, um, this is like a very personal decision and so hopefully everybody's heard like a lot of different points of view in terms of how you handle yourself with your job chase said don't burn any bridges maybe burn your bridges if that's (laughs) if that's if that's right for you yeah you know maybe maybe quit your job tomorrow and see how it works out there are all kinds of ways you can do it and it's just all about your comfort level i wonder i wonder how like upper middle class i really am because i just kind of assume that you could just go get a job if you need to like, yeah, and I, I think that's probably just a result of where I grew up and and what I but and who who my dad knows or something. But I like no, I think that's true. I really do. I just kind of feel like, but I mean, I told myself that. I uh, think yeah, I think that for a lot of people, I mean, I mean, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna if, go get a job. Like I, I'm, yeah. but but I also I, I don't know. I've just, I don't know how I don't know how much my own opportunities in class sort of play a role. I don't in know. That. I mean, I do know people who struggle to get jobs, but they would be in the opposite situation. They'd be unemployed trying to build a business and maybe that's a whole different conversation yeah. we could have. And I'm not talking about getting a dream job. I'm talking about working just a at job. flipping burgers. Yeah, you know? yeah, or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah, or being an Uber driver or something. The The cool thing now is, imagine this, like this is something we didn't talk about throughout this whole conversation, but there's this whole gig economy out there where you yeah. could be an Uber driver, you could be a TaskRabbit, you could do all these things um, just to get by mm. without having to have a boss. Yeah. And um, that's a pretty cool thing. I think that's going to become a more realistic option for a lot of people going forward, where if you have a business idea, um, you can do these things on the side that allow you to be flexible with your time so that if, you know, maybe you work hard the first 15 days of the month and you find out, hey, I earned enough from driving Uber. um, Now I'm going to spend the next week like working on my business idea full time and see how that goes. Yeah, I love it. All right, Barrett, give us your story. All right. So we, this was from the forums and I'm not going to quote the name of the person, but I want to share it because it's powerful. He says, I won't quit my day job unless my side projects can earn about three or four X what I'm making now. I work at a university and have fringe benefits that are out of this world. I recently had major surgery with a price tag of over $40,000 and I paid exactly $0 out of pocket. My daughter is able to attend school nearly tuition free and my sons will enjoy the same benefit when it's their time. And as the icing on the cake, the university provides me with 20 paid vacation days plus two more paid weeks at Christmas, plus paid sick days. In other countries where health insurance is not tied to employment, you probably don't face this dilemma. But it's a major thing here, and frankly, I think it holds back many would-be entrepreneurs. I was self-employed as a copywriter for several years, more than five, and I had some excellent years and then several nightmare years due to the recession. I also think the market is being glutted by so many people taking writing courses and hanging out their shingles as independent writers, so that worried me too. That's why I sought refuge in the current full-time gig, and luckily I was able to retain some of my clients as a moonlighter. Now I'm transitioning again, away from client work, and toward building my own online business. And so why I wanted to close with that one is, we get it. It's hard. The system is hard. If you're making a lot of money and you have a certain lifestyle, it can be difficult. 
if you have kids, if you have medical issues, it can be difficult. And yet there are so many people building businesses that help them have a better career, make more money than they ever could in their own job and live a life that they want to live. And at some point you have to detach yourself from the job that you have and the things and the lifestyle that you're tied to in order to experience things that could be greater than that. And if you're not willing to do those things, then it might just be that you always have a side project and you don't ever have a full-time business. But at the end of the day, it is going to be personal and you're going to have to make some tough decisions to get there. I have been Chase Wardman reeves I've been Corbett Barr. I've been Barrett Brooks. I've been Steph Crowder. And we'll see you there. Or we'll, we'll see you another time. time. <laughs>